0: Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. Each week, I'll be speaking to a different guest about their experiences of this messy decade to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end, because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Today, it is my absolute pleasure to be joined by British Army soldier and winner of the Circle 2021, Natalia Platanova. You might know her best for catfishing as buff Army officer Felix and teaching the nation how to achieve perfect curls with a pair of socks, but Natalia's 20s journey actually began in the events world. After graduating from London City University with a journalism degree, she spent her early 20s based in London helping to organise savvy and swish events for some pretty big time clients. From helping to organise Sir Elton John's wedding to flying out to Egypt for big club openings, she was living the high life of hedonistic dreams that many would be envious of. However, when she hit her mid-twenties, Natalia took a step back and re-evaluated her hectic, sociable and often unpredictable lifestyle. Seeking more structure and discipline in her life, she joined the British army and never looked back. Earlier this year, she was crowned winner of the circle and has since been on a roller coaster journey shoved under the spotlight. Her recent adventures are further proof that you never know how one decision could set your life into a motion you never expected it to go. When asking Natalia about her 20s, she said, Whoever said the 30s are the best years of your life are lying. I absolutely loved my 20s. I missed the lack of responsibility. It was just pure carnage. Natalia, welcome to 20 Not Something
1: hello can I go back in time you made that sound really fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I was gonna ask you (laughs) I was gonna ask you how it's possible to miss carnage but I'm sure we'll get on to (laughs) that yeah
1: yeah so I feel like I've been fed this big lie like everyone's like in your 30s that's when it's just your best time ever I'm still waiting right now I know I've won this amazing tv show and everything but I'm just still waiting for that feeling of
0: ah yeah it's so interesting you say that because we have so many guests come on and they're like don't get me wrong my 20s were great but my 30s I really came into myself I knew who I was I felt really like fulfilled so it was really interesting
1: I've still got some time like I'm I've just stepped in Okay, I'm 31. I've I've had a year in the 30s. So I've got nine more years to get that feeling. So let's let's wait and see.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's been a pretty good year, you can't lie. It
1: has been a mad year. Very cool. Very cool year.
0: So I normally kick these episodes off by asking everyone, what was it that you were looking for when you entered your 20s decade?
1: I don't think I was looking for anything. I was probably looking for the next pub or the next (laughs) social event. I was just, so I grew up in this very kind of strict household. My mum, bless her, just wanted me to get the best grades ever. And I was nurtured and I was a really great student. And then when I went to uni, I was like, mum's not watching. Like... (laughs) what I want and I think yeah I just I truly to the to the max really enjoyed my time um there's pictures of me walking around in my slippers and dressing gown going to like the local convenience store at like 6am I mean I did it with class don't get me wrong probably with sock curls in my hair um I used to work in Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister and all those cool shops and it would just be like a party there and then we'd all go out afterwards and I was 20 I was like whoa that's what life's about. But there's always something inside me that's like, no, this, is, this isn't this is what you want. But I thought, right, whilst I'm there in my early 20s, let me just get it off my chest and get it out of my system. And then I can grow up a bit later on. So, you know, I, I, I had this kind of vision of just because I was in London as well. And London to me was like the kind of like candy shop of all cities of fun and i applied to go to city university sorry london fashion school london school of fashion yeah london school of fashion to study fashion journalism i didn't get in and i was so gutted i was like i just wanted to be in london and then when i got into city university i was like i don't care what i study i just want to be in london Mm -hmm. um in hindsight i kind of wish i went to a more you like a more social union like maybe when i used to visit my friends in durham and bristol they had like a cooler like social life because london's so vast that it was quite hard to link up with people and it was just a lot more expensive as well so i had to have like jobs on the side to kind of keep that lifestyle up but yeah i don't i have no regrets i i loved Aww. it
0: yeah i love that i love that and so you graduated and then went into the events world as well um yeah.
1: after uni i went into the events world and i did this kind of alongside university um, So I'd work in Abercrombie & Fitch, Hollister, Jack Wills. I think I did all of them. And then I started working for a company called Last Supper, just as one of those kind of hosts with canapes and, you know, champagne glasses. And I was just surrounded by these stunning people. Like, honestly, like we'd pick people from like fashion pages and they were just beautiful and just the nicest people as well. And I'd, I'd just, yeah, it'd be two, three nights a week just doing events. Yeah
0: it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> I love it you speak so fondly of your 20s and that sort yeah. of carnage and the, the lack of responsibility um yeah. do you think that that's something that's come retrospectively or were you aware of just how much fun you were having and able to live in that moment and not worry about the future
1: no, it definitely came retrospectively because I remember when, like, I failed a module at uni and I had to reset so many things, and I had to move back home because I was I was struggling. My mom was like, "Are you even going to lectures?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> and when I moved back home, that's when it hit me, and that's when I started doing all the event stuff because I couldn't afford to live in London. Uh, it was just it it got really expensive and. I was living in my little bubble. I was in denial and I still am. I was even more in denial back then that, you know, I didn't have any pressures to grow up. I was like, it's cool. I'll find a job. And my mum's like, you can't just work in events forever. Like, how is this going to sustain you? You know, unless you get really high up in the industry. How is that a job? Like... I think she wanted me to be a doctor and I, I probably wanted to be like an astronaut but no I mean my life turned out very differently but it's cool and that's I really enjoyed it I think up to my to the age of 25 i just it was it was too good to be true and I probably didn't realize what it was like when I'd fly to egypt do all this cool stuff i didn't i didn't register what I was doing I was just like this is- this is who I am. <laughs> this is what I do. And in the back of my head, though, I always had this like little ticking clock of this isn't forever. This runs out soon. So I just enjoyed it. I didn't think about it too much. I would, I'm would. i really spontaneous. I would go anywhere anyone asked, um, do any job in the sense of, you know, location-wise, um, 12-hour days. I, I loved it. I absolutely thrived on it. Um, and I hated to just be sat at home doing nothing. I, I seeped out all of it and yeah I also had a relationship um I was going out with someone who lived in Dubai and we just we traveled abroad quite a lot and it was just yeah I was living the life of Riley it was just it was mad and it's only retrospectively this I answered this in a really long-winded way but it's only looking back now that I realized how lucky I was and how you know um lucky I was to have those kind of three four years where actually you know some people hit their 30s and 40s and have this midlife crisis of oh no you know I got into this boring job where I didn't do what I wanted to do I've had that mm. <laughs> like I've had my blowout I've had kind of like the experiences and
0: yeah yeah that's so refreshing to hear you say that though, because I think like my problem is I'll go out. Oh God, I feel like the other week I went out four times um, and just got, I woke up every morning, just like for fuck's sake, why did they do that? And I'll have these rogue weeks and then feel so guilty for not having my shit together. But I know that one day I'm going to look back and be like, go on girl, like that was that was fun, you know? But it is definitely finding that balance between living in the now and having all the fun and you know relinquishing that responsibility but also considering the future so it's really cool to hear you say that you you knew that it wasn't going to be forever but so you kind of let yourself just just have yeah. that fun it's really nice yeah. so you hit 25 and then was like I need more structure more discipline yeah so I I had a massive like um
1: I don't know what it was. I think I saw a TV ad, and I was really struggling morally with where I think I'd feel comfortable with my life going, and how I'd want to look back and feel proud of what I've achieved. And just army screamed in big letters to me. And I've I've never had anyone in the military. I've never had any any kind of influences towards the military. So I'd, it was a really random choice. Um, so, I tried the reserves for a while, um, which is kind of part time and you can have a job alongside it, which I really enjoyed. But I thought, you know, I really want to do this full time. So, yeah, I, th- I joined the regular army when I was 25, January the 8th, 2015. I remember that day. <laughs> mm. And I remember driving up to the gates and being like, hi, mum, this is it. And it was amazing. I just felt I was a bit older than everyone else as well. So what I really enjoyed about joining the army later on in life is, you know, I've had that experience. I was really quite calm and I didn't freak out about anything. I wasn't scared. I was just like, this is just another thing. So I think I handled myself quite maturely throughout that whole stage. And I'm glad I had age on my side where it gave me kind of that inner calm and peace of you know this is just another thing that I'm doing it's cool there's nothing to freak out about um and yeah I, I was like the mummer of the group well there was another girl that was slightly older who was truly the mama bear because I think she was 30 Julie Murray good old Julie Murray and I was like the mid mummer you know 25 and you know I had kind of like all these girl mates who were 18 19 and we still stayed friends which is mad Aww. but I've always got on with people a lot younger than me because I'm quite young at heart, um, so I never saw that as an issue. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely I just wanted that structure and discipline and adventure. To me, it was like, oh, cool. I just in my head I've always thought anything I set my mind to, I will do it. So it's quite scary what I set my mind to. I I don't look at too many influences now because I'm like, you know, if I wanted to be like, I don't know. A bloody ballerina. I'd be like, right, I'm going to be a ballerina in her 30s. And it's terrifying. I don't want to don't want to be influenced by anything else because I'm quite strong willed and stubborn. And I just as soon as I had army in my head, I was like, I'm going to do it. I don't know what doing it means, but I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to accomplish it. And I'm really glad it's given me so much more pride and inner strength. Whilst I've still maintained my kind of femininity and I've still managed to keep that on the side, like it's worked in tandem. And yeah, I've got some good stories to tell because I think my my past is just littered with so many just experiences that are a bit wacky and wild that I'm so glad I've got those memories to look back on now. And I genuinely think I've still got like my wildest adventures to come still. Like, I don't feel like I've done it. I feel like that was like stage one. This is like stage two, <laughs> but now it's going to be more like a cup of tea and a book in bed and more like outdoorsy adventures. I'm not like, I don't want to go out and get pissed anymore, which is nice. I'll do it, but it's not like if I have to, <laughs> if I have to, yeah. Now I just want to travel and just see cool stuff. Mm. Oh,
0: That's yeah, my it would be so fun, wouldn't it? And I guess in the army as well, like you get all of those experiences, but knowing that you have that security and, you know, all those people around you and you just must learn so much like every day.
1: Yeah. And like during COVID we, I had job security. I worked throughout the whole thing and I felt that's when I truly was like, wow, I'm really appreciative of my job. We are needed regardless of what situation the world is in. Um It is job security. It is that kind of comfort blanket. And it also lets me kind of, evolve and work on myself I love it because I could be anything I want within the military I could go into any job structure I want
0: um and yeah you meet so many
1: different people it's it's
0: yeah it's it's great it's great it's great I'm sure you must get asked this um uh, quite a lot but I just wanted to bring it up as I was reading an article that said in 2020 the British Army was in the Times top 50 employers for women you know stating that they wanted to increase diversity and tackle gender equality um, and as a woman in the armed forces I was curious to ask you have you ever experienced any prejudice because of your gender or have you found it to be quite like a respectful and equal workplace?
1: I personally, the way the army structured, I found it, uh, you know, equal and respectful workplace. There will always be those microaggressions and micro prejudices prejudices amongst like co-workers. Unfortunately, I think um, because you can join up so young as a soldier, like as a 17, 18 year old boy, you can join the army and you're chucked into this environment where it's almost like, a university still because we all live in dorms and we all live together and work together I think in some aspects it's difficult to grow up in the same way as you would if you were trapped into civilian world so mm. I think sometimes there is still that boy banter and there is still that lad chat of like you know, be one of the lads, but I'm just like, why not be one of the girls? Why should I be one of the lads? Be one of the girls. It's cool. But the great thing is now the military is so aware of it, and we're doing so many talks. We're talking about it. We're actively having these conversations. Um, I'm doing a talk about it at Purbright on the 23rd of June, where we're going to go and talk about the, you know the correct use of pronouns and how your language affects how people you know perceive you. So if you say something like you know if you shout at someone and go oh you're running like a girl that's actually quite offensive because girls can run really fast and you know and it's just having that knowledge I just think people didn't have these conversations before but what's great about the army is it's it's it adapts the times and it's it's really modernized itself in the sense that it now looks at all these issues and it takes them on board and actually I think, I feel really safe in my workspace because I know for a fact, if I had a complaint, it would be dealt with. And actually I think people are a lot more cautious now because of this environment. Like I don't see anything like that in my workplace and thank God, I hope I never do. But of course, I think in any job, you'll hear little stories, but as a woman, I can do whatever I want in the army. I could go into any job role now, which is incredible. And I think it's been that way since
0: 2018. So That's incredibly reassuring, isn't it? To know that, because I think you know with establishments like the army which have been around since the dawn of time yeah. that must be so hard for to adapt to to the constant you know changing of of our society as a whole so it's really reassuring that that is happening
1: yeah and there's so many females as well I think people don't understand like um in my in the military police it's it's quite equal like I have so many girlfriends and there's just so many women, like you think you go into an army camp and it's just guys, it's not, it's completely changed now. And I think, I don't know what contributed to that. Maybe our girl, Michelle Keegan. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but something, <laughs> something inspired women to join up. Um, but yeah, no, it's great.
0: And it's, it's so diverse. Mm, that's really good. That's really good to hear. Cause I've had sort of multiple discussions over the years with male counterparts, especially when um, quotas started being introduced to certain industries, you know, like engineering, let's get more, more women in engineering and, and the yeah. army and things like that. And I had a conversation with a guy once saying like, I've got no problem for females in the army, but only if they can do what a guy does in terms of like the physical exertion, which annoyed me when he said it. But I obviously we're built differently. Men and women are built differently. Men are generically stronger than women. That doesn't mean they're better. And I'm not saying the army is complete. It's not all about your physical. You know, you've got to be incredibly like mentally strong. Um, but how did you sort of navigate those conversations? Or have you ever sort of experienced that?
1: Yeah, of course, these conversations came up a lot in the last few years. Um, but this is what I mean. I think as far as I'm aware, there's structures in place for when a woman does go into a combat role now. Um, I think they go through a certain um, training period beforehand where they let their bodies adjust to the weight and they get extra attention and care in the sense that, you know, just to check the, our structure and how, how it does affect us. And there's been a lot of studies conducted on it. And I think we do have the same physical standards as the guys. And that's the thing. We will carry the same weight. So there is no difference now, um, which does scare people. It can, but I think it would, I think it's good because it's not for everyone. Not every female wants to do that. And it, it, it probably appeals to the right kind of girl that wants to do that kind of thing, you know, in the same way that, you know, it's not like the hairdressing industry is like, we need more men, you know, not every guy wants to do that. It is a predominantly, through history and culture, it is a male, male dominated world, but there will be females and I know so many that are actually so much stronger than a lot of the guys that I know that will be able to smash it
0: and I want to be in that league as well
1: so watch this
0: face <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that but this is what I loved about um seeing you on the circle as well because you just brought this you just opened everyone's eyes to the realities of being a female in the military and I mean just touching on that like what what made you want to go and do that that show
1: um I think to me it
0: was a social experiment
1: and you know going off what we've just been talking about I think um when you think of a male soldier sorry when you think of a British soldier you think of a male don't you just that's what firstly comes into your head so I thought as as a guy no one would question me um I could go in safely undetected and just be this As you said, buff soldier guy, but my brains and personality would be the driving force behind that perfect catfish. And I just had this ingenious idea in my head, which I didn't know if it would work, where I could calmly navigate how comfortably I feel in the military, but with this facade of, oh, you know, I'm a guy, no one would even question me. And the thing is, no one in the circle even questioned whether I was a real soldier like, and I loved it. That was kind of like my social experiment. I was like, I bet no one even asks. But if I I felt like if I went in as myself, they'd be like, "Mm, is this just something she's chosen to be a little bit more interesting? Is this actually her job? Blah blah blah. And I feel like there'd be a lot more conversations about my work and I wouldn't Mm. be able to enjoy the experience as much. So I, I proved my point scarily enough that, you
0: know, no one even battered an eyelid. Yeah. I think that's what I found quite sad though when I was reading like post articles about that. Like, you saying, you know, I didn't want to go in as a female because I would be questioned and people would be like, oh, she's just trying to be interesting. Like that's really sad. Yeah. And I think that like with what you were saying, like nobody ever questioned you. All of the other catfishes got questioned, even um, I know. like, yeah, so many of them. And I, you my didn't. I was like, yeah. and when Andy, you didn't see this conversation. He actually asked me
1: about how I got the time off to do this. And I was like, yes okay here's my little book and then he just yeah he was like I think that's when he triggered in his head he's like she's talking way too much um personally about this and I think that's when he started to go wait a minute is this just someone reading out of a book um but um yeah I really wanted to I was like someone ask me come on let's just see how but no one cared like, no, no one cared, but it was nice. because I could have like really nice conversations. Mm. And actually, I spoke really in a really feminine way. I don't know how people didn't clock this because I was very like so emotional, so intuitive. I know there was. The, I felt like the fisty bump was like, yeah, it's cool. Like you know, you look beautiful, fisty bump. Then it makes it, you know very much masculine, but that's not the case. My but fisty you know- bump didn't stop the you know kind of emotive language but I thought they did but yeah back me, I was like that is so girly like how do I get away with that
0: <laughs> but that's what I found so interesting about your whole character was that you went in as this buff army officer as we've said but actually people warmed to you when it was your emotional side that came through and like your empathy and that was what made you really attractive that's why marika found you attractive it's why people liked you because of your female more female generically female traits characteristics coming through and i just found that like God, if if every guy just was a little bit more in tune with their, you know, softer side, know, so you'd get sad. so many girls. <laughs> I've ruined it for all men now. Like,
1: <laughs> and I'm, I, I obviously did. I said all the things I wanted to hear and all the things that I would want to hear as a female, and I used the language that I would want to be spoken in. And if I came in as just this one dimensional flirty guy, like you saw Felix flop in the first few days, I was like, you can't just flirt with everything, and I was like oh no and it was scary because I had to put myself into it but that's when I was like if I'm going to play this game I have to just be open and and that's when it changed completely um yeah that's when obviously the trauma set in I was like oh no (laughs) being open means I have feelings of you know guilt and stuff but Mm. it's just parts of being human isn't it you experience all those emotions and there's no point hiding it because that's how people um like you said people warm to you once you are vulnerable with your feelings and yeah we can't go through life as kind of these and i think that's what people thought i'd be like this robot who has been manufactured by the army but absolutely not i'm like the softest person you'll ever meet i cry all the time
0: <laughs> and that's okay yeah yeah oh i yeah. love that i love that how has it been subsequently sort of this new found spotlight that you've sort of been thrust under how how have you found it
1: so weirdly enough, like I've started doing like events in schools, and I've had little boys like running up to me like Felix, and I'm like, Ah, I'm too young to watch TV. Don't watch it. <laughs> but um, apart from that, like I don't think anyone in the military has really seen it, so I'm I'm quite unknown. But it's, I think it's when I go to schools or like countryside pubs it's weird it depends somewhere in the country people recognize me but I think now it's died down so much that people um have kind of I mean there's Love Island coming out soon so we will kind of remain I I, that's what I want I don't want to be recognized at work I think I'll really freak out if that happens Mm. um I don't want someone to look at me and judge me based on what they've seen like I want to remain relatively in uniform I look so different anyway so people won't really know. But um, yeah, I kind of wanted to just go back to normal
0: now. (laughs) I'm happy with that. And you're going to stick in the army still. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to like pioneer this whole female
1: image in the military. Like I love talking about it. Um, And, but definitely my career is in the military. Um, I'm really passionate about it. And sometimes people are like, Oh, are you in the army? You want a hundred grand? And I'm like, (sighs) not about the money okay it's not yeah yeah um yeah so yeah I'm yeah I'm I think I'm a long-term how do you say it like I'm a long-term life no what do you say when you're like in a job forever not forever let's not say forever that's dramatic indefinitely yeah indefinitely I'm committed to the military nice big fan
0: (laughs) big fan (laughs) We're going to go on to play Millennial Minesweeper now. So it's just, a f- <laughs> it's it's no pressure, honestly. I just read out um, some quotes that I've seen or found or heard. And um, you just have to say whether you agree with them. And then like, we just talk a little bit about it and how it sort of relates to your life and, and your 20s as well. Um, so our first one, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will.
1: Oh my God, you've hit the nail on the spot. I think I live by that because it's self-doubt and it's the biggest roadblock we will ever face. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many opportunities and things out there, but it's our own self-doubt that stops us. And I've struggled with it a lot. Actually, I still struggle with it. Self-doubt, um, I think you even saw it on The Circle. Like There were so many moments where I doubted myself. Even in the final, I look like I'm shaking and I'm like a shell of myself. And Everyone's like and I'm like unless you feel it in yourself I don't think it will ever resonate so yeah you have to love yourself and mm. believe in yourself. and I think that's when lives change genuinely
0: I completely agree like, I like
1: agree. that, quote. I like <laughs> that
0: <quote. laughs> I'm glad yeah it's it's mad isn't it because it it does all come from you and that's something I've only sort of began to realize in the last couple of years it's like everyone can believe in you you know, strangers on the internet can write to you and tell you how amazing you are. But if you don't truly believe it, then you are not going to live a fulfilled life. And I, it's really sad because people get to forty, fifty, sixty years old, and they've never really believed in themselves. And that's just so, it's so sad. I know.
1: I hope hope, yeah I hope we can all like learn to love ourselves like what does Lizzo say doesn't she she just goes I'm beautiful and I'm amazing and people like whoa that's so confident and I'm like no that's normal just yeah say it louder
0: love yourself normalize it yeah 100% um okay our next one is for what it's worth it's never too late or in my case too early to be whoever you want to be and that's I, Scott guess. Fitzgerald. I
1: love that. It's true. Like, where does this whole kind of limiting belief of age come from? I know where it comes from, but why does it still stand in this day mm. and age? Like, mm. I live by societal pressure sometimes and I hate myself for it. I'm like, why do I feel like I need to have a house and kids by 30? Like, who cares? It's me that's going to have to deal with it. I'm going to have to push the baby out. No one else is going to care except me in that moment, you know? So... I just I hate it because we're all in this little bubble and of course I think all of us in some way or another feel those tiny pressures and I just want to just cut all those voices out and go do you know what it's fine I will do what I want and when the time comes I will make the right decisions but I don't want to feel pressured by you know my age my stage in life I just Mm. want to
0: Am I even answering what you're asking? No, I'm- you are. No, it, okay, good. <laughs> it's so interesting because, like, especially in you know the the industry that you're in, like that is there is a time limit for women. That's just standard. If you want to have children, you have to consider all of these factors. And it, I I completely agree. We talk about time a lot on this podcast, and. I actually saw this quote. I was um away on a girl's weekend and we were in this cute little independent sort of store, like little boutiquey things. And it was plastered across the wall. And the end of it, it goes on for like the whole wall was covered in it. I just took the first line. But the end of it says, I hope you live a life you're proud of. If you find that you're not, I hope you have the courage to start all over again. And I was like, oh, it's so true because it shouldn't ever be that you get to an age and you're like, oh, well, I've wasted that now. Like I can't, there's no going back, you know?
1: There's no stop and start. Like, I think you can start whenever you want. I've like read about people that start in their 60s and they're just like these hip grannies who are like, wow, I started life again. And I love that. I feel like that's going to be me. I'm going to just stop and start my whole life. Which is fine. Like mm. uh, it's my life. I don't have anyone else to please. Um, I just need to remember that myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I I literally find it So I talk about it all the time, and then don't actually live by it. And it's like yeah. practice, on the creek. <laughs> yeah. um. So our final one, this is actually a fact and sort of a quote, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. So according to a recent survey by Deloitte, six out of 10 millennials said a sense of purpose was the main reason they chose to work for a certain company.
1: Yeah, I think that's really true because that's what motivated me. I think if you don't have a purpose in life, like what are you doing? Mm. Um, I think finding meaning and purpose in a career is so important. Like, It truly, for me, isn't about money or it's all about fulfillment and purpose. Like if I feel like I'm doing something good, then I will wake up happy. Um, Obviously, there will be days where I'm stuck behind a computer and I'm like, why am I doing this? But the bigger purpose behind everything that I do is so important. And that's why I dread. I would hate to go back to London and work in an office building. Like to me, that really scares me. I couldn't do it. Like, I'm a country bumpkin. I love being in the middle of nowhere. I love being on a military base. I love having the barbed wire. I love the freedom of going, wait, freedom and barbed wire don't go hand in hand. But I (laughs) drive out whenever I want. And it's just, it's, yeah, London scares me. And the whole structure of the kind of waking up at six to travel in two hours on the train, finishing work at seven, then Mm. having to go to the pub with everyone for drink. And then, oh, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, I guess I I think London is a really cool place to be and everyone should experience it. But like my I'm the same. My personal experience of London wasn't a positive one, probably for that reason. And it does all come back down to purpose. But I also think that finding purpose in your job is really important as long as it's not your sole purpose, like having other things that give you purpose as well. Um, because so that's true. also a trap. I fall into.
1: Yeah, I haven't thought of that because the way I see it is like your job takes up 80% of your life, doesn't it? It doesn't have to though because some people make their jobs, their passions, which I think is amazing and in the future I'd love to do that. Mm. And I'm very jealous of people that can do that. <laughs> but um, no, you're right. I think we all get caught up in our daily grind and our job just takes over and that's all we think about. But yeah, if you can have routine and structure and have other purposes like finish work and then go do the rest of your day you know don't get bogged down by the day that's so important I agree
0: yeah
1: preach, sister
0: <laughs> love it oh we're out of time but this was so fun thanks so yeah. much for coming on <laughs> I
1: speak so much I just get so excited and all the questions you're asking I'm like yes I know the
0: answer <laughs> even though it's no perfect. <laughs> it was amazing though you speak so well as well and you raised so many interesting things so thank you it's Very been lucky. great If you enjoyed this episode then hit subscribe to be the first to get notified of new episodes dropping every Wednesday. A big shout out to our composer and producer Pete Half, and a huge thank you to you guys at home for listening. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or reach out on Instagram at 20 not something. It's lovely hearing your thoughts on the episode and who you guys are keen to hear from in future. With that in mind we'll be back next week with another brilliant guest so stay tuned.